We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every NFL and college football fan. I'm your host, Stéphane Lacoe. You can find me on Twitter, X, whatever, Instagram, all the things at Stéphane Lacoe. And I am joined, as always, by the man, the myth, the legend, the Travis May. You can find him at FF underscore Travis M. We are going to dive into our next episode here, pre-combine looking at some of the players at the running back position this week, Travis. And as you just said, good Lord, there's a lot of running backs that were invited to the combine. <laughs> 29, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, it was it was a long list of running backs invited this year. Not always in the 30-plus range. Uh, and But this year, they decided to grab a few more. And it's funny just looking at draft trends over the years and how many running backs have been selected. I mean, there's been as few as like 15-ish or so. And close to 30, like uh, actually selected in the real draft. And obviously the numbers have been dwindling a little bit further down in recent classes as the position has been deprioritized. But still, there are plenty of fun names in this class, even if, you know, it seems like there's it, it's been months now since uh, people have been kind of talking about how bad or shallow uh, this running back class is. But I actually think it's deeper in terms of players in like the second and third tier than several other classes that we have seen in re- in recent years. I like that take. Before we jump uh, to these cl- this upcoming class, can I get your take on something? Because every time I watch this dude play, I'm always like, I think he's really good. I wonder if Travis thinks he's really good. <laughs> and I'm talking about <laughs> Super Bowl champion Isaiah Pacheco. So we're going to keep right here in the running back sphere. But we're going yes. to a Rutgers dude who, you know, a lot of mixed opinions coming out, but someone that we thought could maybe pop. And then when he went to the Chiefs, there was obviously a lot of excitement. But for a Rutgers guy, I mean, no one saw this coming. But what are your thoughts on Isaiah Pacheco, the football player in the NFL? Um, I think uh, he's kind of here to stay at this point, uh, despite being, um, you know, not a highly touted prospect even after the draft was over. Right. Uh, and I've said it on this show before. I've said it on uh, numerous shows. Anytime I can bring it up, if Pacheco's mentioned, he, he had such a weird career in that when he started at Rutgers, uh, they were as bad as Ru- Rutgers as Rutgers can be. 
Like they were <laughs> not as terrible as that. Is program that before Shiano came back? Uh, it was. It was before yeah. that. I think it, I'm not sure if it was 20, maybe in 2018 or so. I think it was. The, By the was way, the, how yeah. many random podcasters uh, talk about? Shiano's exit and then return from Rutgers. Let's go, you surprised. Oh, dude. When I guess when Mojo, they were located in New Jersey, and so nice. I had I had reasons to insert, you know, conversations about uh, Rutgers football uh, more than I thought I ever would. But Art Sitkowski, that was the year that he threw four touchdowns to I believe eighteen interceptions, and that was Isaiah Pacheco's true freshman year. And so that was his introduction to college football. Hey, by the way, your quarterback is one of the worst who ever played the game. And rather than trying to transfer, the transfer rules were different at the time. The portal had just begun to exist. Um, you could transfer, but you had to sit out a, a year unless you got a waiver. But instead of like panicking, leaving, uh, he stuck it out and stuck it there for his entire career and never put up massive numbers because Rutgers was awful, but he still ran like he like he actually bites people even back then. Uh, so he was a really fun to, player to watch. I just never thought because he went to Rutgers uh, that he would even be given a chance right. at the NFL level because he just never, even though he was fun, he did run strong. He did run angry. I, I just didn't know how or you know if he would even get a look at the next level, but he did, and I'm a believer, and he's here to stay. And I don't think the Chiefs are looking to replace him either. So, yeah, um, that, yeah. that answers your running back question there. But, yeah, last week, in case you would missed the show a week ago, we did cover quarterbacks. Uh, so definitely check out that show if you haven't already. We talked about all the top names like Caleb Williams uh, out of USC, Jaden Daniels, Heisman winner out of LSU, Drake May, J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., and – all the rest of the run, the not running backs, the quarterbacks that were invited to the upcoming NFL combine. Not sure we're going to dive into analysis for all 29 running backs on this show. We are not. We are <laughs> not. You know, and I'm not sure everybody really wants that necessarily. No one wants that. Not a time we're going to cover it. But we are going to talk about the top players uh, that should get decent draft capital. Uh, and the next, next guys up. And a few names that could be in that Isaiah Pacheco mold that could be later round values uh as well uh but where do you want to start stefan dude you want to start at the, the tippy top of the, the class just kick things yeah, off with absolutely. players that we think have a, a decent shot at maybe even running that you know round two running back draft capital yeah uh no i i definitely think we we need to do that because uh this is, a lot of people that listen are super into fantasy football and i think that's a i mean running back that's a huge position of need for so many people and i think like you said, there's some, this might be a bit of a deeper class when you go a little, um, like go into those mid mid to late rounds, but probably not going to see a first rounder. You know, we're probably not going to see um, <clears throat> two guys go early, let alone one. So uh, I think talking about the guys up top is important. And I think it's an important uh, to mention how surprised I am by the fact that not one person, when I was prepping for this episode, Travis, I've been so preoccupied with sports betting that sometimes uh, I forget about other things. Um, but as I was prepping for this and I've been, I've been kind of in a, in a silo, you know, like I kind of screaming out into the ether and seeing if anything responds. <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of interesting looking into this stuff. Cause he obviously like I'm super involved in college football. Don't get me wrong, but it's been, it's been over for a while, but now diving back into it and seeing some of the changes in, in perceived value or in market value right now from when these guys last played football 
is phenomenal. And one guy who's in this top tier, and hey, I'm excited about this because I was all about Jonathan Brooks before the season started. But for him to be in this top tier, um, having just torn his ACL, and us all knowing, um, I think Matthew Betts from the Fantasy Footballers, he put together a really good article just kind of looking at what to expect from players post-ACL injury. And uh, you're not bouncing back year one. You know, like that's very rare. Adrian Peterson happened once and that's it. You know, he was, he was already Adrian Peterson before that. Right. So, (laughs) so I'm surprised that people are giving Jonathan Brooks a pass, still have him ranked really, really high when we should be expecting that his year one is going to be much less efficient than it would have been had he been healthy. So that's kind of my biggest surprise, just kind of off the bat talking about this, this upper tier here is um, what are we doing with Jonathan Brooks? Because I was all excited about him being up here. And then that injury. uh, Anyway, I'm just surprised he didn't fall back any. Yeah. So, um, and I put uh, just to kind of kick off this top tier conversation, uh, Jonathan Brooks, uh, for for the sake of this show, uh, I'm kind of mixing my own perception and rankings into what I know to be the current consensus based on uh, mock draft uh, values going around right now. There are a bunch of great tools out there for you know putting together uh, mock draft data, like mock draft database is solid, uh, but they kind of prioritize like just immediate short-term windows a little bit too much, so it gets a little wonky with sample size. And then there's grinding the mocks, uh, which is, is put together by Benjamin uh, Robinson, a former uh, uh, football outsiders guy, great uh, creator of shiny apps that help us out. Um, but that only looks at like the top 50 overall players. And so that doesn't get you deep, especially when you're talking about a ring back class where we might not see any players selected right. in the uh, top 50 picks. So what I do is I track every single mock draft in existence that I can to, and then scrape that and and pool that into uh, digestible data. And I need to actually share one of those here, uh, a, a drop here soon, but I, I, that informs kind of this consensus that we're going to be talking about on the show. Because uh, I, I want to see what's out there that's not already of my own thoughts. You know, it's just to make sure that I'm I'm actually uh, rational in my my takes of, of consensus ratings and rankings and where these players are going. In the first top three tier right now, via consensus and really my my own rankings as well in the combination there, uh, Trey Benson, number one, Jonathan Brooks, number two, and Braylon Allen, number three. Uh, there's actually kind of a, a gap to Braylon Allen. But um, the uh, high and low of where he's going in mock drafts, there's a little bit more disagreement. But it seems that those three look like they are the, the consensus top three and the safest to be projected as uh, day two draft picks this year. Um, we've only seen like, I think it's back to back to back seasons, perhaps, that we've seen only uh, like three running backs gone inside of rounds one and two. Uh, we might even see less than that this year. It might just be Trey Benson, or it might just be Jonathan Brooks, or it might just be Braylon Allen that, that goes early. Um, you know, their they, listeners probably screaming, well, what about Blake Corum? That might be the case. But just to break it down first here, given the, the mock draft data that's out there right now, um, it looks like those are the top three. Uh, I really like Trey Benson um, a lot because I think he has the size the elusivity, the the burst, the uh, top end speed, the big play, uh, uh, every, everything that you want to see. There's not like a single 
individual attribute that's like, okay, that's what makes him a feature back. That's what makes him, you know, top 10 lock for running back uh, dynasty value immediately. Like, a, you know, like a, you know, first round pick, like a B. John Robinson or anything. But he, he just is a really well-rounded player that does everything well. So to me right now, he's still my running back one. Who is your top running back as of today? You know, here we sit at recording of February 20th. There's still two months plus before the draft, but who's your top guy right now? Oh, man, that's tough. I think I'm going to go with Trey Benson as well, which is not great for content because we just agree with each other. My my sister was here over the weekend, and she was like, oh, I listen to your podcast. Do you guys always agree so much? I was like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> we agree a lot on a lot of stuff. So um, I do like Trey Benson. But if anyone is going to jump him, I think it could be Braylon Allen. You mentioned Blake Corum earlier. I, uh, I saw this stat. I'm sure you saw it, too. I think it was Barrett who put this one out. But... He, yeah, it was Scott Barrett. He said he said uh, NCAA production before turning 20 years old. Uh, Braylon Allen, almost 600 carries with almost 3,500 yards. Uh, Blake Corum, 12 carries for 33 yards <laughs> before age 20. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, funny. just just that insane production. His uh, freshman and sophomore year were just unreal. Yeah. Uh, so so I think he could if he has a good combine, and I don't expect he won't. Um, he put together a very quiet, productive year this year, and uh, I could see him rising. But again, like you said, it's hard to know what's actually going to happen when we might only have one or two guys taken day day one. You know, so uh, yeah, yeah um, with Allen, uh, Braylon Allen, of course, out of Wisconsin, uh, and he's that guy. In case you haven't been paying attention to college football. Uh, <laughs> as close as you and I, uh, Stephen, Stephen and I have, uh, he was a breakout star at age 17 for the majority of his, well, entirety of his freshman year. He was 17 years old. Uh, and for his rookie season, he's going to be 20 years old, like until December, uh, which is absolutely wild. Uh, and coming in, he was already like squatting, I think 600 something pounds at age 17, uh, came in and had more 100 yard rushing seasons in a row at then uh, Jonathan Taylor did when he was at Wisconsin. Uh, so he was more productive, more dominant at an earlier age than Jonathan Taylor was for the same program uh, and proved that he could actually catch passes this year. Wasn't incredibly pro- uh, efficient with his production, but showed he had an act for catching the, the ball, uh, which is, was the real, like, really the one question we had with Brandon Allen uh, coming into this final season. He didn't dominate like we wanted him to because the entire program really struggled. They were, you know, bringing a new coaching staff, changing the entire offense, had, uh, you know, major issues with health at quarterback. And a huge identity shift too, really. Yeah, just all over. It was just a really strange, really strange uh, transition for him. So I know a lot of people, um, some people have questioned Allen and how he developed and what we thought he could be. He really didn't reach that potential. And I think there's some truth to that. But at the same time, there's so much potential to be had with his future, given his six foot two plus 240 pound mass of a human that just destroys people. Uh, and he's got some decent wheels. I'm not sure he's going to, you know, run, you know, four or five or better. Uh, but, you know, Derrick Henry ran like a four, five, five, but he was just massive. Uh, and Braylon Allen, I'm, it'd be interesting to see if, if he tries to shed weight and get like down to 230 or something for the, 
the combine so he does post a better time. But if he doesn't, and he's like four five two, four five three at two hundred and forty pounds, um, there's going to be a resurgence in in the hype train for Raylan Allen. So uh, it is a bummer, like you said, with Jonathan Brooks though, and being you know that he's probably not going to be ready to start his career. But uh, the reason he's in this tier for both of us really is because he was just on such an absolute tear when he was healthy before he got hurt. I mean, 1100 plus rushing yards and averaging like six yards a pop um, and catching a ton of passes this past season, basically taking over as the, the feature back for Texas, even though there was also CJ Baxter, who's a five-star ready to take his job. He was like, no, no, I'm that dude now. Sorry. You're going to have to, you're going to have to wait a second. Uh, so I'm yeah. really impressed by him. And so I think he deserves to go at least in round three, despite the injury. Yeah. And I think too, like I remember in that Alabama game for Texas early on this year, they tried to get Baxter going and Brooks was like, yeah, he's okay, but I'm going to continue to have big pop plays here. And uh, he just refused to give up the market share until, um, until he was injured. I mean, he had over 50% market share even with missing um, some time. So definitely good. How much do you put on, like Texas arguably had one of the better offensive lines in the big 12. I mean, they had the best offensive line in the big 12, arguably one of the better offensive lines in all of college football. Do you think that should impact our rating of uh, Jonathan Brooks or do you still like, you know what? Yes. He had a great offensive line, but he still was able to make it happen. I, I, I try to take uh, offensive line quality into play, into play, but in many cases, unless it's some, some weird schematic boost, um, like with the the spacing at, at Tennessee, uh, sure. you know where the the wide receiver splits make it to where the boxes are just literally never packed. You know, like if there's something odd like that, or it's like an option based system, or, or it's a, a really dreadful offensive line, like bottom twenty offensive line in all of college football, there are reasons to adjust. But in most cases, I'm not gonna knock somebody just for playing with a competent offensive line. Yeah. Uh, so no, but just to get an idea of where these guys are going in mock draft consensus right now, they're all going and among draft eligible players this year in between around like pick 70 ish and pick 85 uh, on average. So they're all actually round three players. We might see zero running backs go in the first two rounds based on what mock draft data is telling us right now. There's probably going to be one player that gets reached for earlier than that. Maybe two. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not looking great for running back capital in terms of what we, what we typically want to see out of these players. But uh, yeah, well, you want to talk about tier two? Cause uh, or do you have anybody else that's in this tier? Cause like we, we kind of mentioned Blake Quorum, you mentioned him in comparison to Breland's early production. Uh, is there anybody else that you kind of put up into this top tier for yourself or things or you think that might get into that top tier uh, just based on capital draft capital alone? I'm going to answer a different question. How about that, Travis? <laughs> Great. I'll just not ask questions. I'll just throw you <laughs> no, curveballs. because I don't. Make up I, stuff. I don't have anyone else that I'd add to that tier. So instead, I'm going to add a caveat to Jonathan Brooks. My fear with him is if he doesn't get good draft capital, and then he is kind of limited this upcoming year because of the injury, man, when, someone, when a team doesn't have a lot of financial incentive based on the draft capital to keep you, it makes me nervous for what his career could be if he goes late and then also struggles his first year because of the injury. So Jonathan Brooks, I think, does carry a higher um, risk association just with 
not knowing where he's going to go and when he's going to go. So that's something I'm definitely going to be looking for on draft day. And again, he's not going to be able to participate in the combine or anything like that. So um kind of nervous at times for Brooks. Uh, if I was going to add anyone else though, to answer your question, it would be my boy, Bucky Irving. Not so much because he um, looks the part, but man, he, he is so productive and that efficiency is through the roof. And I just don't want to uh, knock people too hard uh, because of their size, because we're starting to see smaller backs actually provide some, um, some value in fantasy football and in real football. I mean, uh, so, so I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. He's got back to back thousand yard um, rushing campaigns. And, and I just think he could be someone really, really special. I mean, he had over in his career, he had over three and a half thousand yards from scrimmage. Um, I like him a lot. 510, 190. He's a little small, but he's dynamic enough that I think he can, he can play in the NFL. Oh, you're still muted, my man. That never no, happens. No team bias at all. Like, no fandom bias. None. None. None whatsoever. None at all. Not possible. Well, here's the thing. Like, <laughs> I would say probably a little bit. But, like, I didn't – like, I don't, like, move Bo Nix up because of it. I don't move Troy Franklin up because of it. But Bucky Irving, yeah. maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Well, Bucky Irving, I do actually have him in this next year. And as of uh, right now, uh, uh, this recording, he is firmly in uh, – you know, that top tier two um, kind of range for draft capital. He's going somewhere like in the nineties on average in terms of mock draft data right now. And so if that's the case, he could leap uh, into that top tier. I think some people will have some size questions, but his efficiency marks were through the roof. Stupid. Uh, just, just from a production standpoint. Uh, so it's really hard to knock uh, what he did because he just gets the max. It seems out of every single touch, that he has like on every single play. It just feels like if there's a play to be had in terms of bouncing off of contact, uh, just adding in that subtle stiff arm at the end, uh, leaning forward, just so right to, to, to get that extra half yard. Like he's, he's making it happen. And so really fun to see him produce this past year. And he did lead all running backs in receptions with 55 uh, on the year, which is uh, pretty incredible. And on top of that, it's not like he's just some satellite back. He had like 1,200 rushing yards to go with it. So it's crazy. Uh, really, you know, just well round, well rounded player. If he was 10 pounds heavier, I'd, I'm not sure there would be a lot of uh, doubters uh, when it comes to projecting Bucky Irving. Um, after that, you have Blake Quorum also kind of on the fringe uh, day two capital projection right now, according to consensus data. And then you have Audric Estime right behind them, actually. Um, and there are some questions with his uh, his athleticism. Audric Estime, of course being from uh, Notre Dame. There's some questions with his athleticism because uh, he's basically just a bowling ball that loves to just punch people in the mouth. But uh, how he wins and how he adds yards after contact uh, it really impressed me this year, uh, having one of the highest marks in the country in terms of like contact after uh, or yards after contact in, in terms of like players with over 100 uh, rush attempts this year. Uh, he was top 10 in the country in terms of uh, co contact or yards after contact. So really just shows that contact balance, that strength to add a little bit extra in his own way. He's not going to, you know, force a guy to miss completely in space. Uh, and I do have questions about the top speed, but running discipline, his, his vision and uh, 
and size. He checks a lot of boxes. Uh, do you have questions with him uh, in any specific regard when it comes to estimate and uh, how he projected the, ne the next level? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I, I struggle envisioning him as anything more than a short yardage back. Honestly, I, I get nervous. Um, people talk about his quick feet and that he's explosive, but um, I question the agility. Um, people might think I'm crazy for that. I don't no, think the I, speed is there. Yeah. I don't know. In today's NFL where it's all about, not all about, but the teams that are really succeeding on offense are getting fast people in space. And that's where you're seeing a lot of this um, explosive play uh, come from. And yeah. I just don't know how he contributes in today's NFL outside of a short, like, you know, a short down back, third down back type, not, not a third down passing back, a third down, like, Third and one type guy. Punch it so, in short yard. Punch it in yeah. like short yardage. Yeah. So um, I'm nervous. He's really I'm good. Have zero. Regard, by the way. Sure. And that's why I think a team will value him. But for like uh, fantasy purposes, or just like man, he's going to have a tremendous career. Like I, I don't, I don't know if that happens. Don't really see that. Yeah, that's fair. And he's not super elusive. Like I said, he doesn't have the crazy agility. Um, but man, when he gets going, he's really hard to take down because he's like 5'11, 230. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So for college, he's perfect. But for the pros, I'm not sure where he goes. And so I wouldn't be surprised if he was somebody who slipped into round four, uh, regardless of where the mock draft end up, ends up suggesting when he might go. Um, just because athletically, I'm not sure how he's going to test. And he might actually be wise to be a part of the ever frustratingly and growing uh, trend of running backs just not participating very much at the combine. If there are any questions as it comes to their athleticism, why give somebody else another reason to not draft you? If right. it is, you're not sure you're going to test above average. So he might be just one that the just bench press. Yeah. Get the bench press. Cause he's going to, you know, you know, throw the rack around like a hundred times. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, he's just an absolute monster in, in that regard. So weigh in at 230 pounds. Bench press like 50 reps and just call it a day. Do some yeah. interviews. Uh, yeah. So that might be what he he does. I could see him doing like one particular jump if he's, you know, good at the broad jump or something like that because he's got the lower body burst. But I doubt he does the agility drills at all when it, when it comes to the combine, which it will be disappointing. But I, I'm not, I don't actually have him as my running back six, but the data has him in that range. But Quorum might get reached for based on just his I don't know pedigree and success and you know highly productive windows later in his career uh, especially before he had the injury in 2022 for Michigan you know there was like some early like oh Blake Corn for Heisman stuff which never made sense by the way whatsoever he just had a bunch of touchdowns but um because of his profile he might get a lot more attention uh, as the draft approaches but I do still like him. Um, do you pr project him to be a you know a high volume role at the next level? Because I'm not sure I'm there. No, I'm not either. I was looking at we've had John Lobb on the show I think before, and I was looking at kind of his. I was reading his article earlier, and he has him number one, and uh, that surprised yeah. me uh, because I don't. <laughs> and uh, in fact, I like I said, I would have the three you have in tier one ahead of him. I would have Bucky Irving ahead of him. Uh, so. I would have him ahead of Audric Estime, though. Don't don't get me wrong, but I I think he'll get the opportunity. I do, or at least opportunity to get some work in the NFL. And I'm not sure how it's going to go for him, 
because I can't imagine someone handing him the keys to be a feature back and being like, we're, we're drafting you to take over. And so I don't see him being able to be uh, the type of player that sets himself apart that mandates him getting a huge workload. So to yeah. me, uh, I'll let someone else take, take Blake Corum and I'll just sit back and wait and hope I'm right. Um, I always <laughs> hope I'm wrong though. When I'm kind of out on a person, I kind of want them to prove me wrong. Yeah. Um, like Josh Allen has. <laughs> yeah. he def- yeah, uh, but, Both of us. <laughs> yeah. And Trey Lance, you know, I didn't think he would succeed and I'll look at him. I mean, he's just, um, succeeding everywhere he goes. Yeah, so absolutely. do you, you know what? If if they don't get rid of him, the 49ers are Super Bowl champions. You heard it here first. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. oh um, no, it's just like when, when someone proves you wrong, they're like, okay, respect. I'm I'm good with that. But um, I don't think Blake Corum will. I'm kind of out on him at price. And yeah. uh, I think he probably goes third or fourth round, honestly. Yeah. By the way, how many running backs uh like double their touchdown total versus like almost double their touchdown total versus the reception total in a season. Like yeah, in, in this yeah. day and age, it's, it's wild. I mean, he had only, he only had 16 catches this past year and had 27 rushing touchdowns, Crazy. which is insane. But, uh, but that's just kind of who he is. They, they always, Michigan was just always scoring and always running. So it is what it is, but I'm not incredibly high on him, but I do. I could see him being in a really good spot to succeed if, you know, the one A in whatever backfield he lands in goes down, and he has those has a moment where he has a very high volume or a high value in in dynasty fantasy football leagues. But for real draft projection and role projection, I'm not saying uh, I don't think he's going to be a feature. I think Trey Benson can be a feature. I think Jonathan Brooks can be a feature. I think Braylon Allen can be a feature. I think Bucky Irving in the right system with with the with coach that recognizes the talent regardless of his size, a la the K- Kyron Williams route uh, with, uh, with L.A., I think he could be a feature because of what he does to fit the modern NFL's game and his efficiency uh, both in just production and how he runs in place. Uh, but after this, I, after the, those four, I'm not sure that there's going to be like a feature feature. However... On the other side, I, I I do want to get to a running back who is a very fast riser, who has some really decent metrics that are promising, and I'm coming around on him. So, uh, but first, a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase, plus get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether that is friends, work, your significant other, or anyone. I think sometimes the biggest challenge for me is the relationship with myself. That is something that I have worked on with my therapist at BetterHelp over the course of the last 12 months that I have found be very beneficial. The main ones of those being learning positive coping skills to empower myself to be able to deal with certain situations in better ways than I was previously. I mentioned that relationship with myself. Having the therapy, having a therapist and having the opportunity to discuss those things has helped me start 2024 with a more positive version of myself than in previous years. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge become your own soulmate whether you're looking for one or not visit betterhelp.com slash rotoviz today to get 10% off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash rotoviz all right we're back travis and i am i mean i'm looking at the show notes so i know who you're gonna say here but if i didn't <laughs> that was quite the tease and i think you should let the people know who you're talking about so jalen wright uh, running back Tennessee uh, had a phenomenal season uh, this past year. Uh, and actually, when you break it down by the numbers, he had an incredibly similar season to that of Trey Benson uh, at Florida State, who was my running back one. Uh, if you look at his uh, raw yardage totals, uh, his yards per touch numbers, uh, they're actually a little bit better than Trey Benson's were uh, this past year. If you look at, uh, you know, key uh, metrics that are a little bit uh, more predictive of, of style of play, like, you know, breakaway rushing yard percentage, uh, breakaway rate, um, you know, just a different varied rates that look at explosivity and running style. Uh, they're very, very similar across the board, like about uh, 50%, actually over 50% of both Jalen Wright and Trey Benson's numbers came uh, from breakaway plays, explosive 15 yard plus plays. Uh, because they both were just home run hitting threats at the running back position. And because of that, that's garnered tons of interest from many people this year when they look at Wright's final season. He wasn't as efficient or consistent earlier in his career, especially when he started. Uh, first year, I think he had just under four or just under five uh, yards per carry. Last year, uh, saw an improvement in 2022 in both his running ability and um not really receiving, but like how he would improve in terms of like his uh, pass blocking because it was pretty, pretty rough uh, early on. But, you know, that's to be expected. But this past season, 
when he was given the keys, as it were, uh, to the offense, he really succeeded. And and that measure I mentioned earlier, yards uh, after contact per rush attempt, he was actually ahead of Audrey Estime. So he was also inside the top 10 in terms of adding yards after he is hit. Uh, but when we really take a look at what makes him succeed, one of the things I mentioned earlier was when I adjust for running back success, and that's, you know, there's some weird schematic variable to look at that might, you know, prop up a player's production. And Jalen Wright is in a scheme that really, really props up efficiency opportunities for running backs. There are a couple other running backs who are not as good at finding those holes and creating home run threats this past year uh, that were also his teammates. Uh, and that's why they're not going to be drafted. But um, it really uh, what they do with like the veer and shoot essentially is what it's called now with Tennessee. They just have these wide, wide splits almost all the time with wide, their wide receivers. They're almost on the sideline uh, where they're standing. And that creates these odd rushing lanes for outside runs or cutback lanes on the other side. They're also outside up, up the, you know, imagine like the seam in the slot. Uh, and oftentimes if you can just make one person miss, or in fact zero, just on a cutback lane, you're off to the races. And so that's why in many cases, Jalen Wright had just a free massive runway to, to reach top speed of what you did quickly. But a lot of his plays this year came on explosives where he didn't even have to do anything. He just had a free, runway on a cutback cutback lane or just where the play was designed to go because the box was six people deep um and they were, all the defensive backs were 15 yards out to the right and not in position to make a play because of how their scheme is situated it, it gets propped up as like this pass heavy offense and it is but what it does in terms of rush efficiency is is deadly uh, as well josh heupel and tennessee have created a really fun scheme that gives every player a chance to exceed um, expected production. And so I've talked a lot about Jalen Wright, uh, but do you have any thoughts on anything I just said as it pertains to Jalen Wright? Yeah, uh, I have a question for you, in fact, so that you can keep talking. <clears throat> I have uh, got this stupid throat issue, so you talking is very good for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, 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 know I know you're like, um, trying to uh, beat yourself for coughing. Yeah, Thank, you. Thank so, you for doing the show, by the way. Yeah, Um Jalen Wright's backfield dominator rating is one of the lowest on your sheet over here. And to me, I don't know if that's concerning or not, uh, but it's at 29%. Uh, whereas like most of these other guys like are definitely upwards of 50%. And some of them like skyrocket, like all the way up into like, like Ollie, no, sorry. Uh, Davis from Kentucky, who we're going to talk about is up at like 81%, you know? So is this something to be concerned about? Like he couldn't, um, dominate his own backfield there's a lot of other people touching the ball any concerns there for you i think historically the answer is yes uh there more and more you know backfields are just more split even at the college level like you could say the same with trey benson in terms of you know his market share is not exactly above all the key thresholds you want to see it's higher than rights is for sure especially this past season but um you know, it's not as high as it was uh, in some cases with running backs. But yeah, I, that that is one concern I have because he did only have 136 carries this past season. So why, if he's that much better and people are trying to project him as a day two prospect at this point in many cases, he's rising quickly up the mock draft data, by the way. He's already up to running back 10-ish. And if the current pace holds in the mock draft, mock draft data trends, he's going to be like run, running back six or seven within the next two weeks. 
based on how I kind of have it weighted in terms of expected draft position. Uh, so he's, he's certainly rising up in that, in that conversation. I like his profile the past, this past year in terms of efficiency, but the volume questions are there, definitely there, and the schematically boosted uh, production, that question applies more to him than just about any other running back uh, among like the top 15 names in this class. So I am I am coming around on his ability and his explosive uh, play creation. Um, that's definitely there, but I just have questions. And so I can't really put him in the top six-ish for me, even like top seven. There's a couple of names we'll get to. But uh, I know that the market says right now he's at least running back moving up seven ish, probably in the next week or two, uh, especially if he, if he has a strong NFL combine performance. And you expect that he will, I'm, I'm guessing. I do. I, and I think he'll actually partic- participate. So um, if he has an okay size adjusted speed score, that'll spark the nerds. Um, you know, and if he has a decent RAS score, that, that'll spark the nerds. And so <laughs> he, he might go even higher. Uh, and might have a lot of people and in conversations just this week, I, I had a lot of people trying to say, Oh no, he's a tier one running back in this class. I'm like, I don't see that, but cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. I sell or hold right now. Do you think the fantasy football community is aware of him right now? And so you can't get any value, or do you think that you're a little bit ahead of the curve here and there might still be some value depending on your league? Yeah. Like if you're in, in, there's not a lot of value for people in standard dynasty because the draft doesn't really start for a long time. And the thing about Debbie is like, he wasn't, I didn't have him anyway. (laughs) Yeah. He (laughs) wasn't a name a year ago. So in many cases he's available just sitting out there and you got to wait and just stare at his value store much higher than it probably should go. But if I'm buying um, right now, I'm assuming it's going to be higher than it is today, two weeks from now. So I'm buying in terms of his value continuing to, continuing to rise through uh, you know nfl combine in the weeks shortly thereafter but in the long run if he is going to be projected as like a running back three or four in the class i'm not going to have him anywhere um yeah so if that answers your question well and, and to your point too like talking about him before the year uh i actually do have i mean not in debbie but in like C to C leagues where you yeah Kevin's again leagues I have some yeah I have some but I also have just as many shares of Jabari Small you know the other Tennessee running back because I wasn't exactly sure how that would shake out so um, isn't that the name of the other you look you I couldn't tell on your look to tonight it is oh, and okay, uh, Dylan and Dylan Sampson too but he's not right in this place right. yeah <clears throat> great yeah. well why don't why don't we move on to the next Can't batch say. we've got uh, a lot of other names to get to here and and. To me, kind of one of the uh, the sneaky names that not many people, I think, realize was as good as he was is um, is our boy from, yeah, Mizzou, um, Cody Schrader. And I'd like to hear you talk about him. We talked about Luther Burden a lot for that Missouri offense. But um, Schrader, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he lead uh, the SEC in rushing? Yes, he did. Uh, he led yeah. all of Division Two in rushing two years ago. And then it's funny, I, I don't know if you've heard Eli Drinkowitz tell the story of how he even heard of Cody Schrader. But I thought you were just going to say, have you heard of Eli Drinkowitz? It's like, come on, man. Yeah, <laughs> Eli Drinkowitz is, you know, for those I, I, know, I him. know you have, but a lot of our <laughs> listeners I bet have not. Uh, Eli Drinkowitz, unless you follow college football, but the, he's the head coach for uh, Mizzou. Uh, he's Mr. Uh, we stand all business. Uh the, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that post game thing. Anyway, um, he was on a, I can't remember what show it was at this point, but he was being interviewed 
and he was just like, yeah, it was just funny. This one of our boosters just said, hey, you should check out this running back. He's really good at Division Two guy. And he checked him out, and lo and behold, he, he led all of Division Two in rushing. He's like, uh, we just got to get this guy in here. So he just shows up as like the running back seven to open uh, spring practice, coming in, come from a, a D2 program, and immediately climbs the depth chart, just keeps on making plays, catching every single pass that's thrown his way. And by the season starts, like at the time the season starts in 2022, he's like kind of the guy, and, and then grows into this feature role. And then this past year, they just handed them keys to the entire offense. He's like, okay, coach, I got you, and runs for over 1,600 yards against all SEC competition um, and is a key factor uh, to leading Missouri, Missouri, Missouri to uh, yeah, Missouri. Mizzou, Missouri, uh, Missouri. Yes, to one of the best football seasons they've ever had. Uh, so really impressed by him. He was at the Senior Bowl. And again, in, pra- in practice, he just – I don't know what it is about practice. He just kills it in that environment. Yeah. He, all he does is catch the ball. It doesn't matter where it's thrown. If it's within his arm's reach, it's in his hands. Um, and he adds yak too. So I was really impressed by him. I'm not sure what round he's going to go, but he is one of my favorites. Uh, really like his game and his story rising from division two running back That's to yeah. SEC leader in rushing yards is pretty incredible. I don't have him inside my top 10 running backs. He's very, very close. But I'm glad you brought him up because it's just an incredible story. Uh, right. But one and guy. A quiet, a quiet dude, too. I mean, not quiet dude. I don't know how he is. But, I mean, just not a name that most people, like, circled on their draft board, you know, before. Yeah. Right now, maybe. <laughs> it, it was hilarious. I, I had him. I, and it was funny. I, I did a seven-round mock draft for the Tennessee Titans uh, on A to Z Sports here recently. And I had a bunch of people that were mad that I even selected him for the Titans. I selected him in like round six. They're like, we don't need running back. I'm like, well, I mean, Derrick Henry could be gone, and Tajay Spears yeah. doesn't have ACLs. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, that's not funny. Uh, if it's just true, you it's know, I'm not true. trying to make a joke. It's just like yeah. it, it's reality. And so it's like, yeah, we might need running back. And if it's sixth round, do yeah. I get the people? And I, I know the people that were screaming at me in the comments uh, don't even know who he is. But it, it, that's just the nature of the internet. But um, yeah, he's he's super underrated. But uh, another guy who was really efficient, highly, highly efficient with his touches, uh, one of the most efficient, if not the efficient, most efficient uh, running back in all of Power 5 this past year was Marshawn Lloyd, who averaged like eight-plus yards per touch for USC. You got that running back. You have Caleb Williams, a, a bevy of wide receiver talent, and they still, they still like were barely bowling. This past season, what a what a freaking mess, right? I mean, that's just that's embarrassing because Marshawn Lloyd was what a top fifty recruit in his class, immediately injured is at is at the other USC South Carolina, misses all this time, finally gets his chance to start and for a, a decent offense, and just absolutely goes off. And I'm ho- hoping to actually I've been in touch with his, his agent. Um, uh, I'm not gonna. I almost said her name, uh, but his agent, uh, I probably shouldn't, but uh, <laughs> she, yeah, you know what I mean? But I'm uh, going to get with her uh, to interview him here shortly. Hopefully we can actually get that on the show uh, because I really respect his game and his efficiency mm-hmm. and what he does, how he plays. And he was just embarrassing linebackers and coverage. And I wasn't necessarily expecting that uh, at the senior bowl. That is uh, from a guy who only had like 13 catches this past year, but right. uh, really impressed even catching passes. And I think coaches 
wanted I just felt like he was always out there like taking extra reps like coaches wanted to see if he could do it or something because uh, he yeah. was just incredible yeah I like that a lot he's a guy I've had um on Debbie rosters for a long time like you said with Debbie once you get a player, you're kind of stuck with him. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that's a really good. And so no one wanted Marshawn Lloyd. Um, and I wasn't going to drop him. And now all of a sudden, just seeing him uh, succeed is like, well, oh, I'm happy. I'm happy about this. <laughs> this works out. Patience paid off. What are your thoughts on uh, Rashina Lee running back Marshall, a dude who was also highly productive, a guy I used all the time in DFS last year? Uh, super consistent running back you know what you're getting with with Ali do you think he has a path to playing in the NFL I do and uh one thing um I shared a couple of these plays that he had uh at the senior bowl practices but what he does he just kind of like hides somehow until the very last moment and then he bursts through a hole that doesn't even exist uh, and you're like wait how is he 15 yards downfield like what just happened uh and I think that that style of play uh, it's going to catch some eyes of uh, NFL decision, decision makers when it comes to draft time. I'm not sure he's going to be an early pick, but I think fifth, sixth, seventh round, uh, he could go in that range. Um, and I think many people don't even realize how dominant he, he was like three years ago for Marshall. He had that season where he had like 1,400 plus, um, I don't know, actually it might have been just under 1,400 rushing yards and like 300 plus receiving yards and one of the most productive players in the entire country three years ago, missed a bunch of time in 2022, bounces back, impresses across the board. It gets in a shrine bowl invite. And I think, man, I thought he would, you know, that, that makes sense. But I was hoping he'd be a senior bowl guy gets the late invite shows up and he's definitely not even, you know, bottom three guy there. He's definitely one of the, the better guys at the senior bowl. So yeah, I do, I do think he plugs in. Uh, I'm just not sure he has a, a massive workload anywhere, but uh, he, he deserves to be on a roster and as a depth piece, at least. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to the, this weird sickness I have is starting to take over my brain. So yeah. we have to wrap up here soon, but I do want to go through a few more players with you. I'm going to rattle off a couple of names here. Dylan Johnson's a guy. I was, a, I mean, seeing everything that's taken place now, I understand why he declared for the NFL. Um, yeah. Coach is gone. Everyone's gone. Uh, but I was a little surprised at the time. But Dylan Johnson from Washington, exciting name. Uh, we've got Jace McClellan, who everyone still, I don't know if everyone, but everyone was waiting for him to be the, the next big thing, and it never really happened. And then, of course, Ray Davis, who had an, an awesome year with Kentucky. Uh, and then Will Shipley, speaking of guys who I've had on a lot of rosters for a long time. Uh, and that one's not probably going to pan off. But break down some of those names. Which ones are you higher on? Which ones are you lower on in this tier? Will Shipley's fun because he was supposed to be that guy that was like, oh, he's going to be around two running back one day. Um, and it, that just doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Right now, the mock draft data, he said, says he's like running back eight, nine, ten, somewhere in that range. Well, he's white, and people thought he'd be Christian McCaffrey. So <laughs> that, that was the comp. That was the comp yeah. when he was coming in as a recruit. So he sure. must be good. <laughs> But he, you know, he never really, um, you know, just absolutely took off. He, he really wasn't the most efficient back for Clemson, and and largely that was because the offense and the success there went down overall. But even his teammate Phil Moffa looked better than him at times this past season. Um, so he just he wasn't like the obvious. I, I I guess early on he was I guess the the most deadly weapon, but there really wasn't one for a couple of years for Clemson. Um, so. I think he probably is a day three back at this point. Um, 
and he just doesn't have a, a lot of uh i guess he has got decent straight line speed but he just have, doesn't have a lot of elite traits or aspects to his game so he might be one of those guys that kind of gets lost in a lot of uh drafts this year and ends up being like running back 10 11 12 in dynasty rookie drafts um and i think that's overlooking him a little bit too far uh, i think somewhere around running back 8 9 10 that makes sense for me given his overall balanced skill set and he can catch pass as well but i think he needs an opportunity uh, a few people to kind of go to go down in front of him at the next level to have like that breakout performance um not there's not gonna be a straight line for him to be like a complete difference maker right away anywhere so it's it's, it's kind of a fall from grace given the expectation was you know round two starting running back the nfl hands yeah. down lock it up and that's just not the case now but still think he deserves a, a spot probably goes mid to late round four uh early round five uh at in the nfl draft and that's that's kind of where the data suggests he's going to go ray davis or raymond davis uh look spelling that if you're not already familiar with how to to spell his name re apostrophe m-a-h-n uh, the reason why he kind of shorted, shortened it to Ray for the draft process, R-A-Y Davis. But it's funny, I, I met his dad at the Senior Bowl, uh, and it was it's so cool. Like, I, I wish I could have just made a highlight reel of, like, proud parents at the Senior Bowl watching their kids get interviewed. Like, like his, they're, they're That's just, so cool. Like, they just yeah. don't stop smiling. Like, I, I don't even have to know, like, what their parents look like. But there's if there's just some random adult standing on the field after practice, kind of you know eight to ten yards away from a player just kind of watching them get interviewed and they're just not breaking a smile just staring at this prospect i'm like oh that that's his dad or, oh, that's his, that's his mom. No, that's it's so cool just to kind of see them just take it all in and be like oh my gosh that's my son and i i i couldn't get to ray because he was being interviewed by like this big tv station um after one of the practices i really wanted to interview him but there's like 15 people around waiting to interview him after the tv station so i'm like nope but I see his dad. And so I go over and talk to his dad. Uh, and it was so cool just because hearing him kind of talk about how, how proud of he was of the process and all the things Ray had to fight through with injuries and, and transfers and three programs uh, that, that, that got him to where he is today. Uh, another guy I'm hopeful to get an interview of got his contact info. So hopefully we'll get him after the NFL combine too, but uh, just so cool to see him be a freshman that blows up for over a thousand yards at temple transfers to Vanderbilt and puts up over 1100 yards there and then transfers to Kentucky and puts more production up there. Yeah. Uh, so to, to, to be an 1100 plus yard from scrimmage guy, three different schools fighting through injury, fighting through all this change, coaching staffs, systems, uh, and just finding ways to produce and running angry and having a fun play style. I, I'm going to be rooting for Ray Davis to be an early round pick. Uh, and he has been kind of rising, but it's kind of settling in in like round four projection range, and that that makes sense. But I'd love to see him get like end of day, you know, end of round three capital just to kind of get that bump, just because he deserves it. Yeah, I love that. That'd be so cool. I love those personal stories. Um, and man, I can't imagine what it'd be like to be a parent and just no, watch I mean, like kid. such as a, cool a dad movie. now. I got like two sons. Imagining them as like future NFL prospects. Everyone wants to think about it, but actually standing on the field, watching your son get, get interviewed by, you know, dozens of people, um, you know, getting ready to play in the NFL. That would be pretty freaking cool. So yeah, just thought I'd share that moment. Cause that was, it's just fun. I just, after I 
found Ray's dad, I started looking around for more instances like that. And I was like, oh, that that's a parent. That's a parent. Yeah. And it's like you just see all these proud moms and dads, and it's so great. But oh man, that's just, cool. Yeah. So many good things all- about the senior bowl, but that was that was one of my favorites. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, what else do we want to talk about before we uh before we call it good for the evening? Well, Dylan. Laub, I'm going to say his name wrong for forever. L-A-U-B-E out of New Hampshire. Um, So uh, sorry for for his mom, who's probably listening now. She actually found my Twitter uh, because I was was tweeting good things about uh, her son. And so she started liking all this, all the videos and all my comments. And uh, this piece I did uh, that called him the most athletic senior bowl running back. She was all about that. So sorry for mispronouncing your your last name. But um he seriously, uh, according to the, the Zebra player tracking data, uh, Zebra Technologies does a lot of different things. But one of the th- things they do is, you know, the chips and the in the pads and, and tracking the player data every single year at the Senior Bowl. And they've done that since 2018. Uh, Dylan Lab for uh, New Hampshire was, was like running 21 miles an hour um, and was the most explosive, uh, was the best at accelerating and decelerating overall. His, his balanced athletic profile among some top division one players at the senior bowl. He was the best overall balanced athletic profile among the running backs. Close second was Marshawn Lloyd, but to be on par coming out of New Hampshire with a player like Marshawn Lloyd, who was a top, top, top tier pedigree running back uh, is pretty incredible. So he's one to watch because he led New Hampshire in rushing yards, receiving yards, kick return yards, and punt return yards in his final season. Uh, it's pretty, pretty not amazing. Bad. Not bad. But beyond that, there are some some other names to note. Like, I mean, there's 29 guys. I, of course, right. I'm going to prop up my boilermaker, Tyrone Tracy. Uh, he's got some great elusive score numbers. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to go very early at all, but somebody to kind of keep an eye on is like a late-round dart throw. Uh, Jawar Jordan of, out of Louisville, incredibly speedy. He's fun to watch. Also, yeah. He's fun to watch. Kamadi Vidal, one of the most productive running backs. He's the one I wanted to talk about. He also has like, yes. PFF gives him like a really, really good um, pass blocking grade too. Yeah, so, he could be on the field a lot because he's yeah. just such a good, like balanced player. He in uh, interviewing him, he compares himself constantly compared himself to uh, MJD. Um, nice. Yeah, like, like that. that was his favorite. He he, he said you know because everyone asks like who do you style your game after? Like I was around him uh, three or four times interviewing other players and I, every single person, I, every time I heard, I heard somebody asking that same question, it, it was MJD, MJD. I mean, number five, eight, two fifteen. It, it fits. Yeah. He's kind of a bowling ball, but uh, yeah. he bounces off like a freaking pinball machine. Uh, so really impressed by him. I mean, if you understand, like, if you aren't familiar, he had over 1800 yards from scrimmage last year uh, for Troy. So really fun. He was kind of stuck in a committee situation prior to this past season. Uh, but really blew up, and so he could get uh, better capital than I think people are expecting. So that's that's a name to know. There are several others that we could talk about, uh, but that's probably all the top names that are probably going to get uh, decent capital. So that that should get you guys started for the running backs heading into the NFL Combine that's coming up next week. I actually should be in Indianapolis with a handful of our A to Z guys. So I'm not sure the timing on when we'll record next week, but we will be talking about uh, wide receivers heading into the NFL combine action. I might just be recording from the bonus room of my uh, brother and sister-in-law 
uh, just northwest of Indianapolis. That's perfect. <laughs> As, <laughs> real, real quick yeah. though, if y'all are listening and you're frustrated that we're not talking about Frank Gore Jr. or whomever we missed, that's on yeah. your team. That was probably we probably shoot, us, shoot us a message, hit us up on Twitter or wherever. Um, we can, if there's anyone you want us to talk about, we can lead off uh, next week's wide receiver show with some of that kind of stuff. I just always want to talk about the guy whose dad played in the NFL because I always yeah. feel like they get maybe not a full round boost, but they get at least a half round boost when it comes to those late round picks, you know, yeah. like, yeah, we'll take him in the fifth instead of the sixth, just because yeah, his dad played. <laughs> yeah. I, that would have been so incredible. It was so close. Only missed it by a few years, but like if Frank Gore had been able to play with his son <laughs> yeah, as a running back. Oh, so that would have been so good. He would have been like 40. But yeah. That would have been amazing. So Awesome. Well, Travis, it's been fun as always. Again, we are the College to Canton podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are part of the Road of His family. You can find us on the mainstream there or just look for us, College to Canton, wherever you find your podcast. You can follow Travis at FF underscore Travis M on the X machine. You can find me at stay fun. Laco. I am on all the machines. Do you do TikTok or Instagram or anything like that, Travis, or, or not really? Uh, I do more personal stuff on Instagram and it's like yeah. once every three months. So no. <laughs> all right. So Twitter for Travis, you can find me on the other stuff. <clears throat> of course, Travis is uh, working over with A to Z sports. You can find all his content over there. I am also working with ready bet action where we do a, Three times a week betting podcast, which is super fun, super short, and gives you winners. Travis, I'm crushing soccer again. You should be happy to know. So let's well, go. <laughs> I really need to figure out uh, how to write about soccer because uh, digging through Google Trends data, that's all anyone's searching for right now. So maybe oh, I should nice. tell your action and learn something from you. Champions League, baby. Anyway, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. We will be, like Travis said, we will be back with you next week. Travis from somewhere outside of Indianapolis. Me from my basement in Denver and my mom's house. We appreciate you all <laughs> so much. We will be back with you next week. For Travis, I'm Stefan Leco. Have a great week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.